Thank you, Lucy. Now, our next reader is a very special person. Um, in fact, uh, I was very excited when I first read this lineup. I didn't have my glasses on, and I thought it said we were going to have Zelda Fitzgerald this evening, which would have been terribly exciting. But it turns out it's, it's two different people. Um, but it is still very exciting. We have our very own founder of Book Jam, Zelda Riando. Zelda, as you know, lives in South London, in Brixton, in fact, with her two daughters and four cats. There's a woman after my own heart. Just the four, but you're getting there, dear. <clears throat> and uh, she's founded this very event we're at tonight. And uh, she's written two novels, Capri Scripti and Fukushima Dreams, which I'm sure you can buy at the bookstore tonight, and currently working on a third. So please welcome our very own Zelda Riando. Hello everyone. I'm glad Stevie, uh, Glenda, Glenda, our lovely librarian, is the same height as me because I don't have to do the mic shuffle. Uh, so I was going to read to you from Fukushima Dreams, but I'm quite excited because I just submitted a new book last week. It's written! So I'm going to read you, read from that. It's called Good Morning, Mr. Magpie, and pretty much it's the first time I've ever read this, so bear with me. Messenger. The air is cold and full of damp. No friendly thermals to lift me amidst the cliffs and outcrops of the human city. There, rising above the trees that surround it, the block I'm aiming for. On an upper floor, an open window beckons. The package I carry is damp, clamped tightly in my beak. I glide down to the windowsill, tuck in my wings and rest a moment. Inside, all is quiet and dark. No sign of the one that lives there. I hop once, twice towards the window, and then I'm on the ledge. I cock my head, listening. Silence. And behind me, the sounds of the city, the hum of traffic, the distant wail of a siren. I tune it out, listening ever more intently. Now I can hear a faint but regular sound of breathing as of one asleep. Good. I hop once more and I'm inside. I deposit the package and with it a weight of obligation, of need. I flick my feathers once, twice, and then I'm gone. Tail feathers spread to catch the breeze. Back to the highest fork of a London plain where my nest is, and where I'll find shelter from the incoming storm. Ronald. She gave him a rope, coiled neatly in a white plastic bag. She told him he wouldn't know when to use it and what to use it for, that the knowledge would come to him when he was ready to take the final step. Did you know the dark compact he'd made with his soul, that he was buying Eva time or was he past caring? His body felt like a shackle, tied to the heavy earth. He longed to fly, communicating directly with the magpies. His last thoughts are theirs. He's already soaring above the city, wings free. Ronald won't be missed by many. He'd become very standoffish with his neighbors as he got more involved with Eva's game. It changed the way he heard the world saw the world. 
His eyes had sharpened until he could pick out the tiny details blocks away, the smallest motion triggering his senses. His hearing had changed. High and low frequencies lost to him now. In compensation, he found he could understand the calls of birds. The chatter and squawks of green parakeets became a vast conversation conducted at the level of the treetops. Wood pigeons cooing their love, threatening their rivals. Songbirds warning of predatory ravens. And magpies, so many magpies, they called to him. It was time to join them, to become one with the flock. With his new vision, he can see that the balcony is empty, can sense the deserted stairwells. He will not be interrupted. As he stands on the edge of the balcony, the rope looped loosely around his neck is almost as though the wind is gathering in his feathers. He can feel weather front approaching. He's more magpie now than human. When he finally steps off the balcony, it's more like taking flight than falling. <laughs>